to the details of life. I'm your host, Marcus Wilson. And ladies and gentlemen, thanks again for coming and spending some time with me today. If this is your first time coming and checking out the details of life, make sure you go back and check out some of the previous episodes. I mean, we've had some really great coaches from associate head coaches to high major head coaches, mid-major coaches, everything in between. And one thing I do know is just from being on championship teams and now being in the business world, many of the skills that these coaches are talking about are completely transferable to the business world. So whether you like sports or whether you're a business person, how you go about identifying people to be a part of your team, that's called recruiting, right? How you lead, all those things, how you decide to build a culture. These are the things that these coaches are talking about and they perform at a high level. So I would suggest you go back and check them out. And today we have another head coach that's going to give you some knowledge. Head coach of Southern Illinois, Brian Mullins. Brian has had an incredible start to his coaching career, but even as a player, four-year player at Southern, so it was good for him to come back home, went to the Sweet 16 in 2007 with his team, went and played overseas basketball for a little while, came back. He was assistant on Loyola's staff that went to the Final Four a few years back, so he already has Final Four experience. And now, last year was his first year as head coach, and he finished second in the MVC for Coach of the Year. So he's off to a great start. They got some real good pieces coming back next year, and I expect for them to be a competitive right at the top of the Valley. And so we talked about a lot of things from his playing career. So some of you Southern fans, you guys are going to, he's going to take us down memory lane on that. But we also talked about obviously building his team up, you know, some of the bumps from going from assistant to head coach, a lot of things in between. So without further ado, let's go ahead and chime in with Southern Illinois head coach Brian Mullins. Like I just prefaced, ladies and gentlemen, we have an awesome young up-and-coming coach, Coach Brian Mullins, head coach of Southern Illinois. How you doing, Coach? Great, great. Thanks for having me on, Marcus. And thanks a lot for making the time, and uh, we'll go ahead and dive right in with this. And so recently I had Coach Matt Painter, head coach at Purdue, on, and he was talking about his transition from Southern to Purdue, and in the process he was recruiting you. Yeah. Uh, but then when he went to Purdue – he stopped recruiting because he wasn't sure if you'd be good enough. But he said, man, that was, that's one of my biggest mistakes. He was clearly good enough. And so I kind of wanted to talk to you about that. What was your recruitment like coming out of high school? And then also, why did you continue? Why did you decide to go to Southern even after Coach Painter left? Yeah, my, uh, you know, I played on a, a pretty good AU team. I mean, we were really good as a team. You know, we had a really good backcourt, Bobby Frazier, who ended up going to North Carolina. I played with him. And then uh, Seattle Adzik, who ended up going to USC. So it was us three in the backcourt. So we won a lot of games in AAU. And I think that's what obviously drew coaches to me, too. You know, I think um, in my high school career, AAU career, I always found ways to win. So, um, you know, like you said, uh, Coach Painter recruited me. He started that process. And SIU was one of the first schools to really recruit me hard. And along with Coach Painter was Jack Owens, who is now the head coach at Miami of Ohio. And he was kind of the assistant that was really recruiting me hard. And he kept it up because he stayed on staff when Coach Lowry, Chris Lowry, got the head coaching job at SIU and Painter went to Purdue. So, it, you know, and then obviously Coach Lowry kind of took over the recruitment. So, um, you know, they, they were probably the most consistent school from the start, you know, from junior year all the way up. Um, every single day wrote me letters. I mean, you know, Coach Owens, Coach Lowry, those, those guys did an unbelievable job. Now being on this side of it, how much effort they invested into my recruitment. You know, I had the whole Valley, a lot of the Valley schools, some Mountain West schools, some lower Big Ten schools, a um, couple East Coast, um, you know, high academic schools as well. 
um, you know, for me, I think looking back on it, you know, and now I talk about my story to recruits being back at my alma mater right now, you know, the reasons I chose to come down to SIU was a, because of the community and the atmosphere down here. You know, I thought this, this whole region supported the program, like kind of nowhere else that I was looking at. And obviously they were being really successful at that time going to NCAA tournaments. And my goal was to play in the NCAA tournament. And then, you know, I thought there was an opportunity to play for me. And then the, the coaching staff and the players, you know, I, I did, you know, Coach Owens, Coach Lowry, and then, um, you know, the whole players, um, you know, when I went on my visit, I just, I felt something in my gut. So, you know, that kind of made me, you know, choose SIU. Man, you guys had a heck of a staff, man. All those guys are head coach. Well, you know, Chris obviously was the head coach, but he's associate head coach at Kansas State, Jack Owens in Miami, Miami, Ohio, and, Obviously, Coach Painter at Purdue, man, you, you guys were strong. But uh, yeah. so with, with that being said, you know, you when you came there, you had a lot of success, um, three postseason appearances. So, you know, played with some guys who are now in the Hall of Fame, I believe. So, yeah. what you know, what are some of your best memories of your time as a player at Southern? Oh, man, I have a ton. Um, you know, that first year, my first year, they just went to the tournament, I think, four years in a row. And, you know, we didn't have any seniors when I was a freshman. So it was going to be tough for us. And, you know, we lost a close game there at the end of the Valley season. And we knew that that large bid wasn't going to be possible and that we'd have to win the tournament. And, you know, I just remember all of us talking in the locker room like, yeah, we got to go win the tournament now. And everyone's like, yeah, okay, let's do it. You know, and it was just, it was, you know, like, yeah, we're going to do it. You know, we're not missing the NCAA tournament. And, you know, so that first year winning the, the March Madness in St. Louis, cutting down the nets in St. Louis was, was something that's always going to stick with me. And then that sophomore year, being on that Sweet 16 team, going to Hinkle Fieldhouse, playing Butler. I think we were both top 10 in the country. Um, that that game atmosphere was unbelievable. And then, you know, just going through that NCAA tournament. And then, uh, you know, my junior year, the host college game day and have college game day in Carbondale and to see what it did for the university, to see what it did for this community uh, and to beat Creighton, you know, on college game day was, was definitely memorable. And, you know, my senior year, we got to go to Madison square garden and play Duke and UCLA in the garden. And just to have that type of experience, um, you know, looking back on it, I probably didn't uh, realize, you know, and appreciate how special it was. Man, that is those are some big time experiences. I mean, I, I played in the garden my sophomore year against IU, but after we lost and played Tulsa, but man, those are some huge experiences and especially coming from quote unquote a mid major, but you guys weren't playing like a mid major back then. You were knocking off major teams. So upon graduation, you went overseas and played for a little bit, came back and joined coach Moser at, at Loyola. Um, and so what was that like coaching up there for six years? You, you made the magical final four run. And so what, what was your experiences like getting into coaching and then yeah. obviously that final four run? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, the transition from being a professional basketball player to coaching, it was a hard decision. I always knew I wanted to be a coach. I just didn't know when I wanted to, you know, make that transition. And that first year I was director of basketball operations for Loyola. So I wasn't even allowed to practice or play. So it was, you know, complete, you know, 180 in terms of basketball was my life. And now I'm not allowed to, practice or play but it allowed me um, to really understand the business of college basketball 
and, and Coach Mosier, I mean, I owe him a ton um, because he helped me learn how to build a program. You know, when I transitioned in my first year at Loyola was the very first year that Loyola moved into the Missouri Valley Conference. And we won 10 games that first year in, in the season. And over the next five years, you know, Coach was able to build a program into a Final Four program. And it really showed me, you know, about how important it is to build it with character and to build it with good people. And, and the energy that Coach Mosier brings every single day to the office, to the, to, to the court, is just amazing. And, you know, he doesn't have bad days. He doesn't have bad practices. And I think that rubs off on the staff and that rubs off on the players. And over time, you can see the right type of guys getting into the program and everyone's starting to buy in. And it just, it just doesn't happen overnight. And, you know, I think I think about that a lot right now in the opportunity I have. You hit on a couple of things I want to talk about. We might not get to them all today, but like even your decision to come back from overseas when you did, for someone like me, I played for 12 years yeah. and I wanted to get into coaching and it was so hard because there were people like yourself and people who went into it immediately who now had that, those 12 years of relationships and experience. So you play a couple more years and it may have been even harder for you to even break into coaching and you might not be sitting right here as a head coach. Um, but that was a good decision because we're glad to have you in the Valley. But speaking of transitions, you know, I, I know even for myself, one of the, the, the hardest transitions to make is to go from peers to the boss. And even in the business world, you know, one day I'm, I'm, a, I'm a peer and then I get promoted to general manager of a business in Atlanta. And I'm now all of a sudden these people's boss. Or so, you know, as a player, my sophomore year, I'm just a player. My junior year, I'm the captain. So now I'm responsible for holding my teammates accountable. That's always hard because the people that were just your peers are like, oh, you, you acting different now. You think you got some power, you know, and it's always difficult. So with you were assistant for six years. Yeah. Last year was your first year as a head coach. So did yeah. you have any of that, any of that, those growing pains going from assistant to the head coach? And if so, what were they? Yeah, every day, <laughs> every day was a growing pain, but it's, it's part of it. Um, you know, I mean, I'm sure 20 year veteran head coaches make mistakes. And, um, you know, I, I probably made a ton of mistakes and I try to learn from them. I try not to look back. I try to get better from them, but um, it is different. You know, I think, you know, again, you know, Coach Mosier gave me a lot of responsibility and really did help me prepare for it. And, you know, I remember, you know, doing all the things and in the interview process and, you know, when you get the job, you have your first 50 days or first 100 days all written out, but then like one decision comes and the next, and it's just nothing can truly prepare for you for everything that comes at you. And, you know, I think that's where you rely on, you know, your mentors and your experiences and what you believe in as a person, as a coach, because it is your program. And, and, and for me, I think, um, you know, just, you know, I think the biggest change from being the assistant to the head coach is just the amount of decisions you make, you know, on a daily basis. And then I also think it's the amount of responsibility you feel for the program, for the community, for the university, that your name's on it and you want to do a great job. You want to make sure everyone's proud of the program that, um, you know, and as an assistant, I think you want to do everything for your head coach and you want to make sure he has success. And then I just think the responsibility of now being that head coach is, you know, you just feel it for everything, you know, for, for academic success, community success, and basketball success. Yeah, definitely. And one of the things I've seen are, is like, it's not, it's not like when you're an assistant, you don't care about those things. It's just the buck doesn't stop with you on those yeah. things. It's almost yeah. like being the cool uncle. 
when you're the uncle, of course you care about your nephew or your niece, but the parent is the one that's going to be held responsible for everything. And so as the head coach, you become the parent of the, you know, of the program. And so, you know, with you being young and starting your, you know, you probably still developing some of your philosophies. I'm sure you learned a lot from the people that you've coached with so far, but you know, if someone wanted to know like this young guy's first year head coach, what are some of your philosophies in terms of how you build a team or your culture or, even players you recruit, you know, are you looking for more like athletic guys or high IQ guys, or maybe it's a mix of all those things, but what are some of your philosophies that you've kind of developed as a, as a young head coach? Yeah. You know, it's uh, the recruiting piece is obviously it's, it's the non-negotiable. It's the thing that is the lifeblood of this program. And for us, it's making sure we get the right guys in our program right now. So our culture is where it needs to be to win championships and to sustain it. And, you know, we look at three things I talk to my staff about all the time and and that's character, you know, character is non-negotiable in terms of what the person's about, the family, uh, his morals, his values. We look at his competitiveness, um, does he compete on a daily basis to get better? Um, is he a winner? Does he come from good programs that have won before? Does he know what it takes to be great and to be elite? And then we look at commitment in terms of his commitment to the classroom. Does he want to graduate? Commitment to the community. Is he a good citizen, good person? And then his commitment to the game. Does he love the game? Is he going to be coachable? Does he want to be part of SIU basketball or does he just want to play college basketball? Um, you know, and it doesn't matter, you know, right now, you know, in this day and age, I think you can build your program in so many different ways with true freshmen, transfers, grad transfers, junior college transfers. And for me, it's never really mattered about that. It's just, are they the right fit? You know, I don't care if he's 24 years old or 18 years old. Does he fit what we're looking for? Is he about what we're about? Yeah, yeah, that, that makes sense. Almost every coach that I talk to says that in, in you know, different ways, but you want to find, you want to build a piece to the, you want to build pieces of the puzzle. So yeah. it's all one fitting puzzle, um, and whatever it takes. You might need a skilled, uh, a skilled stretch four one year, and then he graduates, and you might need some more athleticism down there who can rebound because you got some more athleticism on the wing. So, yeah, uh, for all, sure. all, all, all that makes sense. You have quite a few scholarships, or you have some scholarships available this summer. Um, yeah. Do you have anybody that you know? Any incoming freshmen? Any grad transfers? Any any guys that were sitting out last year that you think? could have an impact and what are some of your expectations for next year coach yeah i'm excited about next year you know we return um you know a couple of freshmen that had great years for us with marcus domask lance jones trent brown um and, and then we had a kid sent out from eastern illinois that played his freshman year there that had to sit out because of the transfer rules ben harvey who averaged double figures as a as a true freshman there so i think he's going to step in and play a big role um you know we signed a junior college big guy in, in jd mula who's, you know, tremendous motor, great effort, great teammate, has won his whole life. Um, you know, we signed a grad transfer, Anthony Devonzo, who's part of, you know, the Lewis program for the last four years, who, um, you know, has been well coached, who averaged 16 and nine, was the leading rebounder in that league. A couple freshmen that we signed with Dalton Banks, Eric Butler as guards, who are really dynamic guards for us, that I think can come in and contribute. And then another big guy from, uh, from uh, Manitoba, Canada, a big, you know, six nine football player who loves to play basketball, who's gonna, you know, I think have a special career and, and really continue to get better. And you know, we took a transfer too from out east, um, Stephen uh, Verplanken, that you know he might have to sit, but I think he's gonna, you know, be a, a great program for our, for, uh, a great player for our program in the future. 
Yeah, you got a lot of pieces coming back. I, uh, one thing before I talk about that is you've mentioned a couple times guys being winners and like winning is a skill. You know, I think more coaches need to prioritize that. Like guys who come from winning programs, they know how to win. Yeah. And people just say they know how to win, but knowing how to win encompasses a lot of other things that we look for in players. Are you willing to sacrifice, right? Instead of averaging 20, are you willing to average 15 so other guys can be more involved in the offense? You know, things like that winners do. And it's good to hear you talk about that. But with the pieces you got coming back, I saw – I called the game that you guys did, uh, that you guys played in Evansville. And the Jones kid, man, I feel like he was already playing well. Yeah. He just elevated it. I mean, he took over the last four to six minutes. And so when you have players like that, and plus my man Marcus, we share the same name. So I like this game. Uh, you got some good players, man. So I'm I'm excited to watch you guys play next year. Um, on a different note, I just saw that your brother, who's on staff, was recently yeah. named one of the top mid-major assistants in the country. And we all know how brothers can be competitive. So first of all, congratulations to him. But Thanks. for that, you know, that shows the strength of your staff. But what is that like coaching with your brother? Are you guys competitive? Or you yeah. can you say things to him that you wouldn't say to some of the other coaches because it's your brother? Like, how does that dynamic work for you, coach? <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's been great. I mean, you know, it's something that we kind of always thought would be awesome to do, and but never probably realistically knew if the opportunity would come or not for one of us, um, just depending on where each of us were at in our careers. But, you know, it, it's, it's a special um, opportunity for our family, you know, for my parents, for my other brother, and then for me and Brendan all to kind of be in this together. And this program is about family, so it makes sense. But, um, you know, working with him has been easier than I probably even thought about. You know, obviously when you think about working with your brother and family, is it going to be any awkwardness or weird at all? But I mean, it's, I mean, me and my staff, we're all in this together anyways. It's not like me and then them and, or anything like that. So we're all on the same page. And can I talk to my brother a little bit differently? Yeah, I can, I can say some things differently. And, you know, I think that's where that 30, uh, three-year relationship goes into effect and uh you know and I can vent to him maybe a little bit more about some things and I can really you know be harder on him probably than the rest of my staff because he knows where I'm coming from and he wants the same thing as the rest of my staff does and that's for us you know to be successful and win championships here man that's so cool I'm I'm sure that is awesome for your parents they don't have to decide do I go to this game or that game Uh, they now just get to come travel and see you together coaching yeah he was at Illinois State the last two years, and, you know, my this first year there, we played Illinois State at, when I was at Loyola in, in the uh, NBC Championship at Arch Madness to go to the NSA tournament. So my parents were sitting in the middle of the court wearing black shirts, not, cl- not, ch- not clapping, not cheering. You know, after the game, they were kind of happy, kind of sad. They didn't know what to feel, so they're a lot happier now. Well, that's cool, and like you said, it's, there's not as much conflict because both of you guys are winners, and like we just talked about, sometimes you have to sacrifice and sometimes you have yeah. to do things that make you uncomfortable to win. And obviously you guys are on the same page as that. So to close up, Coach, I always finish with the same question when I'm talking to people. You know, it's called the details of life, and I try to bring on people that have had some level of success in their careers. And obviously as a player, as a coach, you've already been to a Final Four, young head coach at age 33, already a head coach. You're obviously doing something right. So are there any – uh, daily routines or habits or thought processes or anything that you do that, that you think contributes to your success? Um, you know, I, I think I'm like you. I, I try to study successful people all the time and learn from them, and I try to get better every single day. 
you know, I, I, I read every single morning. I, I, I journal a little bit in the morning. I, I write a couple things, um, what I'm, what I'm grateful for in the morning, just to kind of get my day going. Um, you know, and then, you know, at night I, 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 again, I try to read or listen to a podcast, uh, you know, almost every single day, just where I can kind of forget about the coaching forget about the recruiting and, and, and try to get better for the next day. So those are a couple of things that I think help me at least, um, and get my mind going. I always exercise too. I work out every single morning as well. So I think, you know, that, that really helps me prepare for the day too. Man, almost every coach I've talked to has talked about working out and the importance of working out to clear your mind. And you know what, when you're going to bed, I got a podcast for you called the details of life. You might want to tune in uh, <laughs> to check sure. out, make sure you check that out. But man, coach, thank you so much for making time uh, to come on. And man, it's good to see people like you, young guys doing it the right way, building up a program, getting the opportunity. You said something about gratitude. I'm a big believer in that. Having an attitude of gratitude it makes yeah. you appreciate the moment a lot more. And so, man, I appreciate you for sharing that with us, and good luck to you next year, and uh, we'll be rooting for you and following you. All right. Appreciate it, Marcus. Thanks. All right. Thanks a lot, man. See ya. Thank you so much, Brian, for joining the Details of Life and giving us that knowledge and spending that time with us. Like I said, best of luck to you. Got big expectations for Southern next year, but I know you guys are going to be good and, and, and step up to the challenge. So my next episode, you know, I had some other people lined up because – you know, I've been trying to catch these coaches during quarantine. They don't have as much to do, right? And so I have quite a few people lined up. I had a, a different agenda set, but recently I was able to catch up with University of Evansville head coach Todd Licklider. And I have been getting bombarded with requests to have him on, obviously, because I played at Evansville. And, you know, people want to hear about what they have going on with him, with this being his first season going on there. So the next episode on next Wednesday will be Evansville head coach Todd Licklider. Make sure you guys tune in. We had a great conversation, talked about a lot of things. Sure, you won't want to miss it. And, you know, it feels like such a big gap in between episodes now because we were doing them every Wednesday, Sunday, and now that we're only doing it weekly, it feels like a gap. But please stay with me every Wednesday. And if you're a subscriber, you'll get access to it Tuesday night because that's when you get the notifications and you'll get early access. So make sure you subscribe. Make sure you keep sharing. These guys are coming in and, and giving us the details of how to be successful because you know what? That's right. Greatness is in the details, guys. Continue to like, subscribe, and share, and please come back next week and continue with us. We're going to keep growing, all right? Thank you, guys. God bless. Have a good week. Peace. Peace.